0: You're listening to the JC and Morgan podcast presented by BP Skinner Clothiers. Folks, if you want to make sure that you look your very best, don't settle for the department store down the street or you're getting something off the rack that is lesser quality and you're dealing with salespeople that sometimes, let's face it, can be a little bit pushy. Get a guy whose sole goal is to make sure you look your very best and he goes out of his way to do so. When I say out of his way, I mean he's coming to you no matter where you're listening to us on this podcast. Brent Skinner, a BP Skinner Clothiers will come on out. You book an appointment on the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. He will have a consultation with you. He'll bring the samples of some of the most luxurious fabrics from the finest mills in Europe for you to look through as they begin to design your custom garment. After that, it's a few weeks and you are done. It's mailed to you at your door, and you're ready to go. You, like me, and so many others that Brent has worked with, will notice the difference in how you look and how you feel, and the price is right. Again, go to the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com, set up an appointment with Brent Skinner. He'll come to you no matter where you are in the country, and you will begin to look your very best. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. And welcome once again to the J.C. and Morgan podcast, another Corona version uh, of the podcast. I guess this is what our, our third one post pandemic, if you will. And that uh, obviously has changed the uh, the mood and the tone of what we do. Not completely. I, I got to tell you, J.C., I've, I've made a pact. I made a pact that the overwhelming majority of this is going to be positive because I've heard enough negative and I've heard enough negative from people who aren't qualified to really turn everybody else into negative Nellies. Uh, I am not oblivious to what's going on. I watch hours every day of the coverage. I listen to scientists. I listen to the president. I listen to uh, all kinds of quote unquote experts in the field and trying to get as best a feel as, as I can for the situation. And I do feel pretty good that we are heading in the right direction. So let me start off with that right off the bat. I feel good uh, I did take a plane ride to Florida to stay with some family, and uh, that was interesting wore a mask wore gloves but uh, uh, you know my, myself and my significant other we uh, we had a row to ourselves uh, she is in great shape I am in great shape we 've been here now a few days. Uh, Everybody is social distancing in the state of Florida, much like they are in the state of Georgia, much like they are in the state of South Carolina, much like they are in the state of Illinois. Um, As I have mentioned before, I know one family uh, friend of mine who's a newscaster who is uh, in his 40s who did contract the virus, and uh, 15 days later, he's back at work, never saw the hospital. I know employees from my company. I am happy to say uh, they are all in uh, fairly good shape. These are not people I even know, but just getting secondhand reports. These are not people that were uh, sent to hospitals or, or put on respirators. That is not to say that you know, this is not a calamity, that we have over 10,000 deaths. It's, it's going to be uh, one of the more tragic times in the history of our country and the history of the world, for that matter, when it is uh, all said and done. But uh, by the same token, uh, in terms of daily life, you know, for, for most of us, while it has been a major inconvenience uh, from a health standpoint, most of us are still in good shape. And for the, uh, for the few of us that, that either have contracted it or you know somebody in your family or friend or coworker who's contracted it, they have a, a recovered fully and are living a healthy, normal life again. Look, I'm like anybody else. Uh, I'm concerned about a number of things. And even though this is a college football slash sports podcast, the number one priority is not that. But, JC, i got to tell you, I'm starting to be the least bit perturbed by people in our business who just jump all over anybody who talks about scenarios, uh, whether it's how to continue an NBA postseason, how to actually have a major league baseball season and yes how to get back to college football uh, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about so the latest is what Mike Gundy before that it was dabbo Swinney basically saying he'd be surprised if we'd have a start of a, of a football season uh, then all of a sudden Mike Gundy comes out and and basically says uh, I mean why can't we just get started with practice in May we we test everybody and we get going and that may or may not be a good idea but I mean immediately People just start jumping on him uh, and, and calling him this, that, and the other. And even like reporters, I mean, I know, uh, for example, Darren Gann of the Charlotte, uh, well, was of the Charlotte Observer, I think now he's with um, uh, Pro Football. Yeah, profootballtalk.com, NBC. And Darren does a great job, and I consider Darren a friend. But he comes out and says, It's honestly a relief to find out that not every college football coach is a meathead for whom college football is more important than science or human beings. Is that really what Mike Gundy is saying? Do you really think Mike Gundy wants to risk anybody getting severely sick or death? I mean, obviously, he's talked to people, and other people have, have talked to people where they feel like there is a way to actually start integrating sports back into our lives, not tomorrow, not next week, and maybe not even May. But as as we sit here, JC, we are 143 days away till week zero in college football. Uh, So four and a half months That's highlighted by the Notre Dame-Navy game. Then, of course, you have Thursday night games that week, and and eventually you have Saturday games uh, in the first week of September, which will be hopefully up and running by then. I'm not confident enough. As apparently some of our our media brethren are, that 143 days away till the first college football game to already say, oh, there's no way it should happen. It would be irresponsible. It would be selfish. These athletes aren't even paid. Uh, just on and on and on and on and on. I don't need your moral high ground on this. What I don't, I'm not going to jump down somebody's throat for suggest suggesting possibilities and even some optimism that. We can indeed and should indeed have a football season this year. So that is just one thing. I'm trying to keep it positive, not trying to put my head in the sand. I know what's going on. I listen to uh, people that are much more educated on this than me, but none of them have said that that is completely an outlandish thought. So uh, that's, to me, the jumping off point for the podcast today.
1: Yeah, you know, Mike Gundy, uh he's not afraid to speak his mind, obviously. And uh I, you know, when he kind of ran through the scenarios of, you know, these are kids, they're they're healthy guys, we test them, you know, we get going. I, I think where he messed up is he brought money into the equation. And he goes cuz we need some money going through the state of Oklahoma. So what that mm-hmm. that sounds the alarm bells on the these athletes are exploited. Uh you know, end of the narrative, uh, you know, when he, he said that. And it was kind of a selective quote that some people on social media really diced up and took, I don't want to say out of context, but they didn't provide the entire statement. Of course, it was a long statement. He went on for about 20, 30 minutes. Um, and uh, obviously that's going to make him look back. So I, I think that's kind of, you know, some of these guys aren't wrong with what they're saying, these coaches, but, but they need they need some PR, Help a little bit. Um, yeah. you know, just, just so you don't step in it with that because that doesn't have any the fact the fact that athletes don't get a, a piece of the pie or that, that's a that's a debate that's going to rage on regardless. You know, this is about restarting American life. And this is about, <laughs> you know, obviously health of your student athletes and your student population and all that. And then of course Oklahoma State, you know, doesn't throw them under the bus, but they release this high minded oh, our safety of everybody comes first and blah, 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 which they had to do uh, because, you know, there would have been pitchforks and torches and all that. Um, Dabo Sweeney, I didn't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with him being optimistic at all. Um, and quite frankly, I think it's wrong for people to, to sit there and, you know, come come down on him for saying, oh, I think we'll kick this in the teeth and move forward. What the hell is wrong with saying that? Nothing. Nothing, not a thing. Um now if I'm Dabo, do I mention the fact that I took my family on two vacations on a private plane? Oh, the plane was sanitized. No, because you know most of us don't have access to private planes and you know we're all stuck at home. And so you had to think even if even if Dabo's coming at it from the, you know, every man super positive go America, kick this into the T standpoint. The vast majority of us would love to have access to a private plane. We could sanitize and head to a beach somewhere. You know, you would have to go through what you went through at the Atlanta airport to, to you know, with the mask and gloves and all that to get down mm-hmm. to, to FLA. You know, you can just jump on the jet and roll, and that would be fine. And so, if I'm Dabo, maybe maybe I don't quite mention that. But I think that I, I mean, and I think Dabo, you know, and again, this feeds a secondary narrative. Uh, that's not important. A lot of people don't like the money Dabo Sweeney makes, and they don't like the, his stance on, again, paying athletes. You know, people have lit him up about the fact that he made the comment that, well, I'll go do something else because there's too much entitlement in the world and all that, and then he's the highest-paid coach in college football and jumping on a private plane with his family to go places. You know, that that feeds that secondary narrative with know, yeah, So maybe I wouldn't have mentioned that, but what he was saying about the positive uh, outlook on the virus – Uh, In the situation we're all in now What the heck is wrong with that? I don't don't see a problem Unless in your heart You're worried about something else Most likely political And you don't want things to get better In the near future Which if that's the case You're asinine And if you cover college football You're going to be out of a job Because when there's no college There's no college football we don't exist, you know. You have to right. have a sport to cover. I mean, some of these people are so damn self-important that they think they're just going to keep right on rocking. No, no, <laughs> you know, news organizations are going to cut, and if and, and, and they're struggling as it is, the first thing they're going to cut is sports. If there is no sports, ah!
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I know many of the, the people with these hot takes on jumping down the throat of anybody that offers any positivity about the, po- the possibility of having a full football schedule on time uh, as scheduled. Those same people that are so quick to take the moral high ground and and demonize uh, not just coaches, and and we all know coaches very often can be their own worst enemy with their words. You mentioned Mike Gundy. I, I mean, that's why you you have PR machines to kind of help you out in some of those statements. I'm, on the other hand, I, I appreciate the fact that uh, there are going to be people that don't speak with measured words. Would do speak from the the heart and the hip on this. And, and look, Mike Gundy's getting paid anyway. Okay, I tell you what, the the college athletes, the so-called exploited college athletes, they're going to pay the price long before a Mike Gundy, a multimillionaire, who's probably got enough money now for the rest of his life and his family's rest of his life if we never played another football game. As I mentioned last week, college football makes up 80% of athletic budgets. And for those of you that think there's no money in going into college football and basketball players, whether you think an education is meaningless, which some people just insist on throwing out there, that's apparently that's just their take on education. I'm sorry they feel that way, but that's, I'm not here to change their mind. But it costs a lot of money to feed and house college athletes. Uh, and all of a sudden, if you have no football money coming in, there are some schools that would actually have to cut scholarships maybe then it will resonate that this is, not a, this is not class warfare. We're not talking about the millionaire coaches versus the exploited athletes. This is about, at some point, economically speaking, you do have to get back to running this country. Like you, you, People have to go back to work, and this is far beyond sports. I know a number of people that are not in our business who have been laid off. And yes, there's unemployment and this, that, and the other. But believe you me, their lives are hindered by what's going on. It is The two are not mutually exclusive. Just because you think about the importance of getting back to things economically doesn't mean you don't care about the health and welfare of human beings. I am so sick and tired of people trying to force people to choose one or the other. The fact of the matter is... How people are doing economically does, in some ways, determine their overall mental state of mind. It just is a fact. And so we can't sit here and pretend like, as we continue to go further and further in debt and people continue to lose jobs and houses and everything else, that that's not a factor in everything. And I'll tell you this and I spoke to a, let's just say, a high ranking. Uh, person in the business of sports. I don't want to give away any more than that. It's not, it's not one of my employers, so I can safely say this. Everybody that looks at this, uh, sports provides a ton of jobs. Okay, you and I are sitting here doing this because of our jobs in sports. The athletes that are making millions of dollars, professional athletes, uh, the coaches at all levels that are making millions of dollars, the TV networks, the executives, so on and so forth. It is a major, major source of employment and money. We haven't felt the true depth of that yet. But if there is no football season, which some people just... Gladly speculate that that's the case. Uh, that's when you will really feel. So many people that we know will feel this to a whole other degree, and we haven't felt that yet. We have felt something, but we have not felt what that would actually mean. So there, there are a lot of jobs, a, a lot of things at stake. It's not just about entertaining some people on a Saturday and a Sunday. There's a lot of welfare that is determined by having a full football season. And it is not wrong for people to start looking at possibilities on how to get this done. I think you're, if you're an administrator, you'd be irresponsible if you're not already looking at ways uh, to make sure that at, at every last hope and effort you can get the football season underway. So I'm not going to sit here and demonize anybody who talks about ways to get that done? What what productive thing are you doing by trying to make them the bad guy yeah. by offering solutions, potential positivity, on that there could be a football season? Again, that just from the college standpoint, talking about week zero, which would not exactly be devastating if we lost week zero, but that's 143 days away. I mean, can, can you sit here and guarantee that we're not going to have a season As we sit here four and a half months away from the start of it, I'm not confident enough to do that. So why be so critical that, you know, people have been praising Adam Silver for – He's been the one guy who's pretty much kind of kept quiet since suspending the NBA season. And while, you know, you got Manfred of MLB talking about playing a condensed season in Arizona. And you've got NFL owners talking with President Trump about playing an NFL season. And I'm sure even though we're not privy to it, conference commissioners, particularly in the Power Five, have been talking about uh, all the potential algorithms of a full schedule versus a 10 game schedule versus games with no fans versus bumping back the schedule a couple of weeks. That's going on as we speak. And that's being responsible, just burying your head in the sand and saying, it's oh, how can we even think about a football in a time like this? That's you're not accomplishing anything by, by doing that. So and, and I'll say one other thing on this point and then we'll move on. Cause I said that we're going to try to keep this positive and I want to keep it positive. And there's a lot of, Uh, things that are not so doom and gloom to talk about this. Uh, There's a movie, you ever see the movie The Edge with Alec Baldwin and uh, who's the guy from Silence of the Lambs? Great actor. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. A very underrated movie.
1: Sir Sir Anthony Hopkins.
0: Sir Anthony Hopkins, yes. Sir Anthony Hopkins. And and that movie, uh, most people who have seen it will remember the bear, right? The killer bear who was uh, constantly trying to eat both Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins. Uh, but there's a great line in that movie. So Anthony Hopkins plays this eccentric billionaire and they're, they're in Alaska and they fly cause he's married to Elle McPherson. Who's, I don't know, 30 years younger. And she's Elle McPherson. Anybody who's was around the sports illustrated swimsuit issues back in the, the 19, what's that late eighties, early nineties. Shoot. Time flies. Anyway, uh, they're sitting there talking and 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 Alec Baldwin says something and Hopkins says, you know, don't ever feel sorry for a man who owns a plane. And I kind of feel that way about there, there's one. And again, I'm I'm a fan of this particular uh, national talk show. And, again, he does not work in, in under my company's umbrella. He does, he does a really good job. I think he's the best interviewer other than Howard Stern, who, ironically enough, is interviewing Tom Brady today. Um, and, and he is hes one of those guys. Like, he has gone out of his way to say, well, I, I can't even think. He does a three-hour talk show every day and does it well. But he sits there and he says, I can't even think about, you know putting up dates and time frames and it, it's just pointless and he's critical of anybody that does it. Well, this particular talk show has been uh, talk show host has been very successful and probably has millions of dollars in the bank and is able to do a talk show regardless of whether or not we have sports. So for him Yes, it sucks to not have sports, because he can't talk about them like he, uh, games like he can normally for three hours a day. And all of us that are in this business, we started off as what? Fans. We love to watch the games, even if we're not working them. But it's a lot easier to take that take, and again, that moral high ground, if you already have it made and you you and your family are set financially for the rest of your life most of us don't know that reality so again never feel sorry with a man for a man that owns a plane I don't need to get my advice from somebody who has blank you money. (laughs) I don't need to get my, I don't need to get advice on how to handle this whole situation and how people should handle it and how administrators should handle it and how we shouldn't even talk about the possibility of a college football season. It it just seems so uh, microscopic and irrelevant at this point in time. That's great for you. You do you for the rest of us. A lot of things are at stake here. It's not just our happiness and well-being to have a diversion, which I think we could all desperately use right now, a diversion from... Uh, just reality that there's, there's not much going on in the world right now and, and that's overly positive. I mean, The NFL draft might have record numbers, even though they're going to do it on a Zoom conference call. They're not going to do it in Vegas in front of fans, but they might have record numbers because we are clamoring for anything that resembles sports. And if we can't have games, then we might as well have something that is close to it. So I, I would just say again, we don't know what the world is going to look like 143 days from now. Or by the end of April, for that matter. But I'm sitting here. I'd be willing to bet. This is my opinion. It means nothing. I'd be willing to bet the U.S. is going to be in much better shape. I do have faith in the people that are making those efforts to put us in better shape. Uh, We've seen this with other countries who are in better shape after doing what we are doing, which is the isolation and everything else. And I've watched enough science and people like Dr. Fauci and others where I do – don't mind saying i do feel that we're on the right track i do feel like we'll have a, a football season and if i'm wrong i'm sure someone in the news media might want to burn me at a stake we couldn't find could not do it in front of a large crowd we'd have to do it i guess on a zoom conference call of course so it might lose its overall drama but that's fine i i'm okay the, the fear of being wrong on the opinion on this seems overwhelming. So a lot of people who do feel positive that we're going to have sports resume in a somewhat timely manner, we are going to have a football season, they're afraid to speak up, while the the doom and gloom crowd, who are leading the way in terms of how vocal they are, they're setting the tone. And I would just say that the tone to me is not that, oh, you you can count on there not being a, a football season this year. I don't think we're there yet. I haven't seen enough data, and I don't know anybody who has to imply or indicate that we should just start counting on there not being a football season now. I still think it's going to happen, and I certainly hope and pray that it will.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, in one way or the other. I mean, like, so a lot of the folks that, you know, are kind of the doom and gloom crowd, that major league baseball proposal they came out with was sending all they'll send all 30 teams to Phoenix, which is, you know, they've had some cases down there, but it's not a hard hit area. And hopefully by the time they're talking about doing this, it would be, you know, pretty much in the clear. And then the practice, the social distancing at the games and play with no fans. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, I, I think every fan of major league baseball would, would probably tune in every day right now, you know, I would. And, uh, yeah. So it's, um, it's just one of those things where, it, and, and, you know, I think it's a good idea, but with the, the gloom and doom crowd, that's never going to happen. That's so irresponsible. La, la, la. Well, <clears throat> on you, you know, I mean, I, and, I, and I think it's just what it's come to. And I, and I think that there's just like with everything, people have agendas and the agenda uh, is that, you know, some of these folks that, that I, I don't think have any self-awareness. I think they're, they, they feel like they're so self-important that, you know, they'll always have a job. And I'm like, you cover sports. If there is no sports, you are not going to have a job. You know, I mean, I don't care right. what kind of like champion for you know a better way in life in America that you think you're you're promoting here, and that's fine, and I respect that. But the bottom line is, no sports, no job. And um, some some of the guys that I thought were kind of openly rooting for it. Um, have kind of turned, you know, they've kind of come back, especially in the college football realm where it's like, okay, they could play without fans, they could play in the spring, they could do this, you know, and, and they've started talking about solutions rather, you know, under the guise of, hey, look, these athletic departments are going to run out of money um, and they're not going to be able to fund uh, any, any sort of uh, – you know, sports other than football. Uh, you know, if there's no football, and, and I mean, there's going to be right. bad, bad, a bad, bad deal. So, I do appreciate some folks kind of getting down off their high horse and saying, "Okay, here's what we're going to do." You know, and and so I, I think that's it. And I, I think that so many people do depend on the sport. Uh, so many people, you know, that is a part of our economy. It is entertainment fundamentally. Um, if the country were being attacked by an invading army or, you know, a nuclear bomb went off or, or we had, you know, mass casualties. If, if, if this were a, you know, and I'm not trying to downplay the coronavirus, but if this were something with like an 80% kill rate, like, you know, some of the diseases out there or, or the Crippen virus from I am legend where society just completely breaks down, then that's fine. You know, you know that that's fine. We, uh, you know, we certainly wouldn't be worried about sports then. We'd be worried about survival. I'd have to learn how to hunt. I don't even know where Doritos live.
0: <laughs> how do you- they're, they're. I think they're in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> deep, in, deep in the forest.
1: You know, and so I, I you know, that's a little joke I saw on the internet. But I, you know, I think with this particular situation, I think that there is, you know, that they, they do, they need to find a way, and. um and I think that's that's all there is to it. And you can't be picky. And, Mike, I know you sent me an article where the Notre Dame athletic director was quoted. Yeah. And um, I couldn't disagree more with, with what he's saying uh, if, if the choices come down to, you know, no fans and play or
0: don't play at all. Well, yeah, we went over this last week. Yeah. Um, if you're not prepared to be – uh, dealt a a hand of cards is going to provide some inconvenience and a lack of ideal situations that you're used to. Then, then you, I think, in a way, you do have your head buried in the sand. It's it, it might not be ideal. There might be games without fans. Might, I mean, we we went over all this last week, and I, I uh, like the baseball season. If, I mean, the same talk show host I'm, I'm telling you about was talking about these that the families would be isolated from the players who will be in arizona for four and a half months first of all the baseball families are used to being isolated from their from the from their husband or, or father because it's 162 games you barely get a day off i've lived that life uh, just as a broadcaster i mean that that's just a sacrifice you take we have bigger things to worry about if you know, Johnny's wife is not going to see him as many days during a pandemic because he's playing Major League Baseball and earning twenty million in Phoenix. I, I mean, seriously, I, I just wonder. Like I, again, to your point, there are some people that sadly, um, I and mean, we could do a whole a commentary on where journalism has gone. I, I there's some people that they They lost their their way in the sense of being fair and objective and journalistic a long time ago. Yes, they went to a broadcasting or journalism school. Yes, they have a degree hanging on the wall, but it just doesn 't matter i can 't help those people i 'm not interested if if you want to use this as an opportunity to be political, whether you 're asking a question at a press conference or you 're posting something on twitter that that's your right I, i'm not i don 't slam i i don't get into it i don 't get into the muck not interested you you do you as I like to say um but for those that again, as you pointed out, jobs are at stake, for some of the people that are barking the loudest, they figure, you know what, I got enough money to serve to weather the storm, even if we don't have a season, and they do, some do. You and I don't know that world ninety nine percent of the people in our business don't know that world, but there are a few, and that's great for them. That's great for they can just sit back and go. "Eh, If we don't have a season, you know, that's just more time with my family and more golf. That's great, but for the rest of so many people, again, the trickle down effect. If you've ever worked, I've worked for two professional teams in my career, and yes, there are the million, the, the 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 billionaire owners, the millionaire players, and that's what people know. It's the it's the equipment managers that's a full-time job. The PR person, that's a full-time job. The team doctor, that's a full-time job. So many people are employed by sports, professional sports and college sports. It's not just the coaches and players. It is a major, major business That employs a ton of people. So while you might want to hate on the people that are making all the money and you might want to try to infuse a should college athletes be paid debate in the middle of all this, just remember without seasons, uh, people start losing jobs. And without football, that provides 80 percent of the revenues for these colleges. All of a sudden, it's it, it, that's a game changer. We haven't reached game changing phase yet. If you lose football, I'm here to tell you, so many things as you know them could change and none of them for the better. And a lot of people, sadly, will lose jobs. So keep that in mind when you're just trying to paint everybody into a corner where if they don't say anything negative, then they are just a bad person for trying to be, to have a positive outlook on all this. Just, just consider that when you're, when you're going on that stance.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, in agreement with you there completely. I think that that's, uh, you know, that's what needs to happen with that. And you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I would just encourage everybody to kind of chill out, you know I mean? And and I, and I think too, that, as with everything these days, there's under underlying agendas um, based on personal beliefs. Most of those are political, and uh, we all have our political beliefs. And I'm with you, Mike. I don't talk about them that
0: much. But um, well, to me, this on, is on, not a yeah. political issue. I mean, it's like a, It's a it's, public health issue. Yeah. It's a public health and, a, and, and it's, it's an, an, an economic issue. issue. Yeah. You can't ignore the fact that it's an economic issue. It, it drives me crazy when people try to make other people feel guilty for bringing that up, it's not about putting dollars over lives, but lives are affected by dollars, and that that does cross over into sports, which, as we always point out, sports as a whole transcends just entertainment. It is a way of life for a lot of people. It does employ a lot of people, and there's a lot of money at stake, so the, the, you can't just... Say the two are mutually exclusive. I hate when people try to to pose that as an either or scenario, and sadly, a lot of people do there 's nothing there should be nothing political about this and If you want to hate on somebody because of a decision he or she has made why don 't you wait till this is done and then you can go on your diatribe and spew your venom and everything else But for right now let 's focus on the facts and let 's focus on how. We can get back to normal, and I mean, I run into people all the time, JC. And now, you know, I've mentioned I've been in multiple cities uh, during this time frame, and, and of course, I've had much more free time than I would normally have this time of year. And you just run into everyday Joes. and they all say the same thing: I don't know how much longer I can go without working. Like the, this is not—they're not enjoying the time off. I know you—it's yeah, more time with family, and it's time you'll never get again with your wife. And get, that's great, but. Those wife, for most Americans, the wife and kids, uh, the income. It comes from having a job. Like if you're unemployed, everybody suffers. And so uh, most of the people that I talk to, yes, are obviously concerned about the virus and they're doing their best to keep the, keep their hands clean, not touch their face, social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. They're not fighting that. But they also have an eye on when can we get back to work. And I think the sports world is in the same scenario. When can we get back? It's entertainment in a way for us, but it's also work for a lot of people. And as I mentioned, it's not just the players, the coaches, the owners, the ADs. It's a whole lot of people under that umbrella that make a living based on these games being played. All right. So now with that all being said. What else do we have that's going on? I mentioned the NFL draft is coming up, and I, I talk about the NFL draft every year on this a college football podcast because I think it's intrig- intriguing to those of us who know all these guys, and unlike the NBA draft, where it's chock full of one and duns and Euros and, and very often players that fans haven't had a chance to identify with the NFL draft is full of college football players who are household names and whether it's Burrow, Tua, Herbert, all three of which who could go in in the in the top 5 picks that's coming up and that is not going to be postponed the NFL has been uh, very adamant about the fact that they're going to do whatever they have to do in, what, some two and a half weeks we are away from the from the draft. Uh, I think that's intriguing. I couldn't help but notice, J.C., this is kind of an aside, but you're talking about two Heisman Trophy winners in the last decade uh, and two very prominent football players in the Southeast, Jameis Winston and Cam Newton, both of whom are, as we speak right now, out of work, not because of the coronavirus, but because – you're talking about two guys that have shown glimpses of greatness. Cam won the MVP, although he's been a below-average quarterback since then. And Jameis Winston, when he's not throwing interceptions, gives you flashes of, uh, of quality. Uh, but they're sitting there on the free agent, on the free agent heap, and so is J- uh, Jadavian Clowney, another number one overall pick, another SEC guy. Uh, whose stock is not probably what a lot of people thought it would be. So I thought that was interesting as well.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I think there's three different scenarios that are at play with those guys. I think Cam, yeah, you know, the Panthers just wanted to go in another direction. You know, They got a new coach, obviously, Matt Rule. Um, he hasn't had a very good run of it uh, lately at Carolina. Somebody's going to pick him up, though, and I think he's still got a good shot. Jameis. Obviously, as an interception machine at times, you can't have that. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know where he'll end up. You know, probably some team with some injuries that has to bring somebody in. Uh, with Clowney, it looks like it's shaping up to be the Seahawks are the most likely scenario for a one-year deal, maybe the New York Jets. Um, I know that uh, from talking to people kind of familiar with that situation, that Clowney wants to play for a franchise that has a chance to win. Um He'd rather, you know, take less money and go do that. And, you know, he he didn't have a super duper year with the Seahawks last year, but he did make some some of those clowny plays that kind of make you go, wow. Um and everybody needs pass rushers, you know, and I, I think and clowney still has a lot of pass rushing ability uh to get uh get to the quarterback. So yeah, it's that's interesting. The most intriguing thing out of the draft, Mike, that I've been hearing lately is this is that the Lions I think it's the Lions, may trade their pick to the Patriots, and the Patriots may be in position to draft Tua Tagovailoa mm. as their quarterback, um, which you know we all know about the Nick Saban-Bill Belichick connection there. We know the Patriots need the quarterback of the future. Um, I thought that was very interesting with Tua and the Patriots because I, I, I can kind of see that working out long term.
0: I think, in general, Tua is a fascinating um, draft-day story. Look, this would be fascinating if he didn't have injury issues, although it would be more predictable. The the debate we'd be having is Burrow or Tua. Point blank. There'd be nobody else even in the discussion. And you'd have uh, one side that would be all about Burrow and another side that would be all about Tua. And I think most of those would say i take either one of them. But Tua does have... Serious injury uh, issues and and a a serious injury history, not the least of which was the latest hip injury, which a lot of people simply never fully recover from, although he's put together a heck of a uh, video since then. I mean, I just, again, I fell in love with Tua, the player, the man. So I want him to do well. I don't care where he goes. I just I want to see him succeed at the next level. I want to see Joe Burrow succeed at the next level. Not as familiar with Herbert. I think we all saw him against Auburn early on last year and came away with a conclusion, but then he just kind of goes back into that Pac-12 abyss for for much of the nation uh, the rest of the way, and so I don't feel like I know much about him. I, I know uh, a little bit about his father and a little bit about this, that, and the other. seems like a good kid, so I certainly wish him well also, but uh, for those of us who are fans of southern football i think we'll be keeping up with joe burrow and, and Tua's career in the nfl for the rest of the way much like we've kept up with cam newton uh, much like we've kept up with Jameis winston i think the difference is uh, it, it, these two guys have been model citizens and teammates and that has not been the case with Jameis winston or cam newton and so it, it's uh, for a lot of people that don't have ties to those particular schools alabama and lsu you can be a fan of somebody other than that even another SEC school, even a rival school, and still pull for those guys because overall they're guys that uh, are easy to pull for, and you would have loved to have in your own program. Oh, absolutely! Uh, yeah, yeah, Th- that's just one little uh, NFL twist. I did think, and you uh, pointed me to, uh, my attention to this earlier earlier today, and that is the story. Uh, Brett McMurphy still going at it here on Twitter. He likes to poll the the ADs uh, in a survey. He says 88% of the FBS ADs want expanded college football playoff deal uh, when it ends in 2025-26. 72% prefer eight teams, 11% prefer 16 teams. The favorite eight-team model, the Power Five champs, one group of five, Two at larges, ads also slightly favor quarterfinals on campus instead of bowls. I agree with just about every one of those things. Um, I know you're not a big group of five uh, team inclusion team guy on a, you know an automatic bid. I I can take it or leave it. Honestly, I think I think what would be better for the group of five, quite frankly, is to have their own playoff. You and I have discussed that many times. No doubt. But then the question becomes what generates more money? A group of five team being involved in the 18 playoff every year versus having your own playoff? I can't answer that. I do think there's a television network out there somewhere who would pay good money for a group five playoff because it's football and people watch football, period. Um, but uh, other than that, JC, I can't say I'm surprised by any of this. This is something that people like myself have been clamoring for since before we agreed to get a 14 playoff.
1: Yeah, the eight teams make sense, I think, because you're running into a situation where four is not enough. And, look, I've always been a four-team guy, and I think you were too. You know, you're not one of these Well, let me say this.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. I I always – this goes back to – when I started doing sports talk shows in the nineties, I always thought eight was the ideal number, mm-hmm. but knowing how the NCAA or in this case, the, the people that run college football, the, the, the power five conference commissioners, presidents, et cetera, they move at a glacier pace I had no problem with a 14 playoff my, my pack that I made to myself and anybody who would listen to me I wasn't going to bitch and moan <laughs> about a 14 playoff when I'm just so glad to get rid of the BCS so to me four teams while it's not ideal is dramatically better than what we were playing with for 20 years of the BCS a bowl alliance and a bowl coalition before that and then whatever haphazard random formula we determine national champions before that so I'm not complaining about the four Team playoff, but I never thought that was the ideal number. Eight to me makes more sense. I I would have even been happier with six, but I, ha- I have a feeling we're not going to six. We're either going to go to eight or we're going to stay pat. And my feeling is we're going to go to eight.
1: Yeah, I think there's too much momentum for eight, and I, I think you know I was a fourteen guy because I was like, well, you know, and I looked at it from the standpoint of, well, you know, it doesn't totally kill the bowls, and I like the bowls and. You know, it's just four teams and, and there's never been a scenario through the years where one more game wouldn't have decided it. Well, what's happened is the last few years, that the, those playoff spots are so scarce and so dominated by a handful of, of schools that, you know, it, it's almost sucked the oxygen out of the room for every other team. And... I don't think fundamentally that's good for the sport. That has nothing to do with Bama or Clemson because I think Bama or Clemson are going to be there anyway. You know, right. you, you want to knock the. You know, it, it's not. It's not any sort of like playoff structures job to end the run of Bama and Clemson. Huh. It, it's the job of Auburn and LSU this past year, or in the ACC for God's sake, somebody step up. You know, I mean that, that, that's not that's not a that's not a playoff structures job. It's not the job. Of the playoff structure to make sure there's a big 12 Or Pac-12 team in that's the job of those Programs you know you want to end get better But what I do think it's done Is it, it, it's really Like it, 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 it's 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 not a have or have not because there's Still I think there's still the, the Have or have not line is way deeper Than four but I think What it's done is it, it, it's there's so much Attention on the playoff That the rest of it's just kind of like and eh. And I think schools too You know they they you end up like Kirby Smart at Georgia, you know, 14 playoff, that, that structure could cost him his job because heck, he went his second year. Now there's nowhere else to go. You know, you're, you're not, you're, you know, and, and it's so hard to get in because they're taking conference champions. They're, they're, you know, they tend to weigh, the committee tends to weigh undefeated teams. And look, undefeated matters in college football. You know, Notre Dame, if you really looked at their schedule, they had a lot of what I call paper tigers on their schedule a couple years ago. They had teams that had big brand names like Florida State and Southern Cal, and they went at Virginia Tech and all those teams completely sucked compared to their historical standard that year. Yet they were undefeated and they were Notre Dame, so they got in. Um, I think eight gives us a little more breathing room to where you can accommodate that. Which which I, which I, look going undefeated in college football, I still think it does matter. Uh, you can accommodate those teams. But you're also not sitting there you know, taking a a one- or two-loss team that deserves it out. Uh, The reason I'm opposed to the automatic bid for the group of five uh, is that I think you're going to get in a scenario one year, Mike, mark my words, where like an Auburn or a Texas A&M, or let's even take up if you want to take it out of the SEC, go to a Penn State. Now, let's say you have the group of five champion is – let's just say the North Texas Mean Green. Just because I would like <laughs> to say that the North Texas, I would like to hope one day they got a good coach, you know, North Texas being green. Let's say they run through. What that would they, make it? Joe
0: Green very happy, by the way.
1: Conference USA, exactly. Joe Green would be thrilled. That's Conference USA, right, I think. Um, so they run through yes, it. it. Is. You know, they, they pull off an upset. They maybe, maybe they go beat Oklahoma State in the opener in Arkansas. So they got one power five win, and they go undefeated the rest of the time, and they're running up big scores. All right, so they're 12-0, they're and 13-0. How are you going to justify taking them over an Auburn like like that lost to Alabama by one on the road and maybe at home to LSU by three? Or, or take Alabama's resume this year, 10-2, and two, lost at home to LSU, the number one team in the country, and at Auburn by three points. How, I mean, how can you justify that? And, and so I, I think that's the problem when you're sitting there and look, I think it from the media standpoint, it'd be a great story every year who gets the group of five team. Okay. Go to Tuscaloosa or death Valley and get your head beat in. And everybody's hoping maybe next year you'll win. But, um, Oh, the under everybody loves the underdog and, and, and me especially, but I think eight with eight. Now, if it were 16 different story, eight to me, I still think you got to yeah. take the best eight because that, that line, of demarcation, in my opinion, between Power Five and Group of Five, I think the best Group of Five team that we've had, like let, let's go with um, a Boise State one year, or maybe that uh, that UCF team a few years ago that was very good. To Absolutely. me, they're no better than thirteenth, twelfth, thirteenth in the country.
0: Uh yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. I, I I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, basically, what we'd be doing, and I don't think we'd even be. Hiding the fact, we would be taking the top seven teams in college football, and then we would be adding to make it a little more inclusive, the best Group Five team. Uh, Nobody would be arguing at that point that the best Group Five team is necessarily. Now, I, I do think on a on any given year, well, not any given year, some years where a group five team that is really good, that is really quality, could beat, say, number seven in a playoff. But obviously that wouldn't happen. They'd be playing number one every year, so you're right. In all likelihood, they'd be getting their brains beat in uh, in Tuscaloosa, in Death Valley. Uh, take your pick. But it, 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 I think the goal there is, again, it's to try – I've talked about this now for years – the group 5 is the new 1a okay the, the the chasm between the resources of power 5 schools and conference usa sunbelt mac mountain west and even the american it is we we are talking so so much less what they're dealing with so how do you even that out money and the only way that they're going to be able to get more money uh, than they're they're presently getting now, although I think the American has made tremendous strides, and they're clearly it's almost like there's the Power Five, there's the American, and then there's the Group Four. I think the Power, the uh, American, has clearly uh, distinguished distinguished itself as the top Group Five conference year after year in multiple sports. But the only way to pump more revenues in there is to get them involved in the playoff. Uh, if you're not going to do that, then and and i think this is the last chance uh at it for group five schools then you better start and you should already have this in place you should already have your model for a group five playoff and what tv networks you're going to talk to and what the price tag is going to look like that should already be done that should already be on paper and maybe it is we just we're not going to be privy to it but uh that that's what should happen but honestly you know at the end of the day we're 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 uh i don't want to use that i was going to use the expression we're picking that dung out of pepper and clean that up a little bit um because at the end of the day yeah you're right there's going to be uh, every year there's going to be that one team that says wait a minute now we're better than ucf we're better than houston we're better than boise we're better than san diego state we got robbed Uh, yeah but how sorry are you really going to feel for that team that probably can look back and say you know what we shouldn't have lost this game we shouldn't have lost that game it is our fault and fact of the matter is in an 18 playoff if if it gets to that point where they weren't good enough to get in the top seven chances are they're not good enough to make a run and win three it's not like college basketball where a team gets hot and they just rattle off multiple wins in a row it's college football so I don't think you're gonna you're gonna have upsets, but you're not gonna have a Cinderella type that wins three games out of nowhere and wins a national title because I I don't think we'll see many much of that uh, when it happens and we haven't seen quite frankly a bunch of mega upsets in the four team playoff I don't know why we'd see a bunch in an eight team playoff but long story short I think we agree we're, we're we're getting there one way or another
1: yeah and and you know I, I think too what, what's going to happen is. You know you're going to see scheduling, and you've already sort of seen it when you know there was a run there where you you saw a bunch of uh, big time programs starting to ink home and homes in the 2030s and the late 2020s. Well, one of the reasons I've read is that and I think Greg McGarity, the athletic director of Georgia, was actually quoted as saying this is that they sense a playoff expansion coming. When you're talking about the at large spot, strength of schedule is going to be huge. And and so, you know, whereas before if you're in the SEC, you know, you're worried about scheduling that big time out-of-conference opponent because if you lose and then you drop a conference game, you're out. Well, maybe not now. And so strength of schedule is going to matter. And so I think w- you have a lot of blue blood signing up to play for each other, but I, I think you're, you're also going to see, you know, some of the bigger group of five schools, if the group of five is included in this, um, say okay, well, you know, we're going to start doing some one home and homes if, if the bigger schools will play us, um, and the bigger schools will be more obliged to do it, you know, based on a need for a you know premium non conference game to increase their strength of schedule. Because what you don't want to have happen is you don't want to go eleven and one and have a great year in a power five league. But let's say you're in the SEC and you know you're in the East and the schedule's a little imbalanced. Uh, and you avoid, all, you know, you avoid Alabama and LSU. You get like Arkansas and Mississippi State that year. Um, but you're you're sitting there at eleven and 11 and two. Well, you know, along comes this other team that's played. You know, they may be eleven and two as well, but they their two losses are like good to good out of conference. You know, that's going to matter when you're talking about a number seven or number eight or number six spot in an at-large eight-team field. So I, I think that's. Something to watch as well as I think this will change scheduling a bit, and actually the fans will win because it will provide for more intriguing matchups.
0: And that's what we want. Uh, and, and a little bit of diversity in the playoff might might not be a bad thing. You no. know, a few extra teams to actually compete in this thing. Uh, again, I'm not hating on any dynasty. I think I think one dynasty is uh, is good for college football. I don't know about. Two or three of them. I The cabal. I certainly don't think, yeah, the cabal is not the, a good the thing. The cabal, the oligarchy that we now subscribe to in college football. These are things that we would talk about quite a bit before a pandemic struck and uh, pretty much wiped out some of the top storylines in college football and in sports altogether. But those are some of the things um, out there. I did think this was interesting, too. Uh, this was uh, – I found this somewhere on Twitter. But it basically – this is a, this is a, a category you do not want to uh, lead the country in, and that is buyout money. Uh, mm. This is uh, this is from your uh, company, JC Twenty Four Seven Sports, and I guess it was on the Florida board, and they did studies on what program has spent more than any other Power Five program on football coaches buyouts over the past. 15 years I'll go uh, in reverse order number five is Tennessee and that will surprise no one right I mean think yeah. of all they went through in the last coaching search and and how how much turnover there's been we all know when you fire a football basketball coach nowadays there's always a buyout of some kind uh, and they've had multiple so naturally they are in there at 20.2 million number four Auburn Auburn at 21.4 million dollars again this is uh, football severance in the past 15 years number three will surprise you certainly surprised me kansas the jayhawks Ooh. at 23.7 million now charlie weiss got i mean he got g'd up when when they hired him uh what did you have him before? you had before uh, turner gill
1: yeah, right. Turner Gill was only there two years, so they were probably buying out three years of that deal. And remember, Turner Gill was kind of a hot coaching commodity when he was at Buffalo, in the mix heavily for yeah. the Auburn job for a while.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. So they had to pay him off for multiple years, Charlie Weiss, multiple years at a high rate. Uh, so Kansas – as if it's not bad enough with their football program. They've thrown 23.7 in the dumpster on football severance packages. Number two, Nebraska. Nebraska, number two, at 24.3 million. Of course, they, they thought they had their savior in Scott Frost, who, I, you know, I think it's way too early to start ripping Scott Frost as a coach. I don't think he just forgot how to coach, but clearly uh, there's a new reality. In Lincoln, and it's not the Tom Osborne era of the '80s and early '90s. And number one, at 24.9 million dollars of football severance in the past 15 years, the Florida Gators. Mm. Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain. Uh, Let's see. The must champ earned a buyout of $6.3 million for the right not to coach UF following his fourth season. He was 28 and 21 overall. Uh, Then they turned to head coach Jim McElwain, who uh, does not actually hug sharks, even with all that money. But, But Jim McElwain didn't come cheap, and certainly to fire him wasn't cheap. So Florida's had to fork over quite a bit in compensation and in buyouts. And I'll tell you what, now more than ever, uh, these things, by the way, the entire fiasco cost the Gators $7.5 million just to cut ties with McElwain. But as we talk about all of a sudden these athletic departments having to really start looking at the potential of hemorrhaging money you look back at some of these buyouts and it kind of makes you cringe Now, when you have more money than god and and everything is going well it's it's not that big of a deal it's just a you know you just you just round it on the expense sheet and you you go on to the next guy and you get all that tv money coming in and everything else but now you start looking at that and you're like my goodness that's a lot of money
1: yeah and then most of these schools too auburn Auburn's interesting because there's a lot of always a lot of talk about Auburn and buyouts, but Auburn, you know, Gus has been there a little while now. I mean, I'm sure Chiswick won the national championship, probably got a raise, and he's out two years later. That was probably costly. I know Tuberville was costly because he was out two years after a undefeated season. So I think what Auburn's doing and, and why they're there is they're jacking up salaries and buyouts after great seasons, and then two years later they're firing folks and. I admire the fact they've stayed the course with Gus Malzahn. I got to admit, I'm surprised, <laughs> but, but all these other schools have had situations, Mike, where it's been like a two and done kind of deal. You know, you mentioned, we mentioned Turner Gill. He was out after two years at Kansas. I think, uh, Mike Riley at Nebraska was out after two years. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a, you know, you, Mike Riley, I thought did a heck of a job at Oregon state because it's Oregon state, but, you know, that was kind of something that just did not work out. You mentioned McIlwain. You know, Muschamp was there four years at Florida, McIlwain two-and-a-half. So that's two big buyouts in six-and-a-half years at Florida. Um, you know, and I'm sure Dan Mullen, he's the 10th highest-paid coach in the country. I'm sure he has a pretty big buyout as well. So uh, for good good thing for the Gators, things are going pretty well right now. So, um that's the thing, but that, that is very interesting. Tennessee, I would have thought, would have been higher just because their churn, obviously, they've had more coaches um, than anybody, but, uh, you know, I guess the contracts being written in Knoxville are probably, uh, maybe maybe they're a little more shrewd with, uh, with how they're paying folks.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, before we continue here, I do want to mention, I, I know everybody's kind of cut back on some things, but uh, if – if you'd like to get some good deals, sometimes uh, this is the best time to to shop, and that includes Brent Skinner of BP Skinner Clothiers. Go to—I uh, always mention the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. You can also follow him on Twitter and Instagram. In fact, on Instagram, it's BP Skinner Clothiers. It's C L O T H I E R S, and he's doing some interesting things now. I always talk about the fact what's great about Brent is no matter where you are. You don't have to go to him. He will come to you. And obviously, if you're in good health, uh, then he will be more than happy to come to you and size you up and get you ready uh, to have the best custom-made clothing that you can possibly buy at great prices as well. He actually can do it now. You don't even have to see him in person. They can do it on FaceTime. So you can just call him up or email him and uh, set up a FaceTime for a real-time look at what is in stock, and you can pick what you want. Good place to get an Easter gift, or a birthday gift, or an anniversary gift, or anything else—just a gift for yourself. is eventually, uh, we do, we are going to care about our appearances again. <laughs> I haven't cared about mine in the last couple weeks. That is for sure. There's been uh, no shortage of uh, facial hair and ragged clothing, but uh, at some point, we are going to want to look good again. So check it out, and you can give them a phone call to set up a, uh, a FaceTime. Uh, again for a real look a real time look at what they have in stock and what would you what would you like and it'll be shipped to your door it's 803 530 5293 803 530 5293 tell them Mike and JC sent you we'll throw in a free uh, custom made shirt with any purchase of a suit or sports coat or uh, a free tie with uh, uh, any accessory uh, Purchases that you have there as well Heck they've even gotten <laughs> He's got the uh, He's got the masks Like designer masks right <laughs> I saw that I, on Instagram and that, yeah. uh, that's, I love it I mean you gotta have some fun With this if you can right So you can actually get a, a, a designer uh, Mask I actually I am told the story at the top I wore uh, You know the, the, the mask over the Over the face getting on an airplane Just to be extra safe But uh, they've got them comfortable, reusable, custom-made to fit your style and yours for just 25 bucks on the uh, website or by giving them a call. So that's uh, Brent Skinner of BP Skinner Clothiers. Like so many small businesses, uh, just trying to, to weather the storm here, and I encourage everybody. I know I've been doing my part on restaurants, that's for sure. Not a whole lot of cooking going on in the in the world of Morgan. There's been a whole lot of takeout delivery, whether it's in Atlanta or down here in South Florida, uh, and, and tipping the people working the counter and tipping the drivers because everybody's just trying to survive out there. JC, uh, what are some of the other things just in our final kind of segment here that you're looking at during this rather unusual time as we sit here in uh, week two of April now?
1: I was just looking at some, you know... I know the national championship for 20 you know this coming year uh will be in Miami. Um didn't realize Indianapolis and Los Angeles were the next three sites for that. I know that stadium out in LA is supposed to be really nice. Um uh, I just kind of I was kind of looking at that. I think that uh those of you that are Big 10 fans are probably happy that there's going to be one in Indy. Indy's a great place for championships, by the way. Um just kind of looking ahead, I wonder if they're going to start announcing more sites in the future here pretty soon, uh, and I'd be curious to see if Las Vegas ends up entering the mix. I don't know that it will happen, but I've heard they're going to make a strong push with that new stadium and the Raiders being out there uh, to be kind of a, a destination site uh, for you know college championships, pro championships, whatever. So uh, that's just kind of that, I kind of like that. You know, I like for. It's kind of neat to see different host cities and things like that, so uh, that's kind of something on my radar. Um, other than that, just looking forward to, you know, getting something going uh, in terms of uh, what we're going to do about the season. I, You know, I think as far as I'm concerned, like we mentioned earlier, I'll take anything. I'll take no fans. Uh, I'll take a spring start. Uh, you know, I, I think it would be kind of wild, you know, if, if everybody could hold off that long. Uh, which is another subject but if you can hold off and start the season next january and you're playing college football and college basketball and the nfl and nba and major league baseball all at the same time you know i i I think that's kind of a a dream scenario for some sports fans once you get there but you have to get there uh but certainly i'm uh looking forward to seeing how all this plays out And, and and i'm remaining positive as well mike i think uh you know, I was a little worried last week about this, but uh, I, I'm thinking we'll probably, uh, you know, I'm going I'm to keep the faith that we'll end up getting started, started on time and we'll have uh, lots to talk about uh, here in about 143 days.
0: Uh, College Football Hall of Fame player inductees, congratulations to Lomas Brown. Offensive lineman for the Gators in the 80s. Keith Byers, Eric Crouch, Heisman Trophy winner for Nebraska. Keith Byers, by the way, running back, Ohio State. Uh, Eric Dickerson, at SMU. Glenn Dorsey uh, of um, LSU. L- LSU, I'm sorry. I'm just looking. I know this is somewhat outdated for a lot of people. We never went over this. And by golly, we've got time to get into some things like this because there's not much else going on. Uh Jason Hansen, kicker, Washington State, E.J. Henderson, E.J. Jr., Steve McNair, Cade McNown, Leslie O'Neill, Anthony Poindexter, David Pollock, and uh, Bob Stein, the defensive end for Minnesota in the late 60s. I had a note to get to that a couple weeks ago and never did, so I figured I'd just throw it out there now. How about them apples?
1: Yeah, Glenn Dorsey, heck of a player. Of course, David Pollock, one of the greatest of all time. I'll never forget some of the individual heroics uh that he made and you know he's a three-star guy from snellville georgia and Mm -hmm. georgia made a great evaluation getting him in and he uh he ended up being quite a player
0: and does a good job um i'm a little biased because i've I've gotten to know him fairly well uh lives near atlanta and worked with him a little bit in radio years ago and of course works with us at espm does a great job i think on game day as well all right that's going to be uh, somehow we get over an hour with nothing going on i don't know i don't know if that means we talk too much or we just have uh, plenty to say or we can still find stuff to uh, to talk about but uh, hopefully we'll be, we have much more to talk about soon with every week we just uh, keep our fingers crossed that more and more good news will come down not only in the sports world but uh, uh just nationally a- as well and i gotta say this and i i know it it's it goes without saying but special 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 thanks to all the people that are in those hospitals, the nurses, the doctors and and putting themselves in, in harm's way to take care of people. Um, those are I, I say this all the time. I love sports and I love the athletes that we cover, but they are by no means heroes in any sense of the word. Like I mean like LeBron James if LeBron James stopped playing basketball tomorrow uh, nothing, quality of life, importance of life wouldn't change a bit. You take away the people that are saving lives right now, that means everything. And it's kind of a warped world where one makes, you know, fifty million dollars a year, and, and one might make fifty thousand dollars a year. That's a whole other issue. But um, gosh, can't say enough. I've, I've watched countless hours of coverage of all this going on, and there are positives to pull away from all this, and that is one. Uh, the 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 great uh spirit bravery uh selflessness that so many americans have shown during this time so i choose to focus on the positive at the end of this podcast just like i did the beginning and i choose to remain positive about us getting back to normal in life and in the sports world and yes having a football season as well so until next week when hopefully we will have some more some more uh, news that is good news for jc it's mike saying so long stay safe and stay sane everybody